What does it actually mean to be a bad bitch? I'm your host, Valerie Martin, and if you're asking me, it means being fully alive, unstoppable, kicking ass at the things that light you up, and being permanently unavailable for the things that make you feel like shit. Whether you're a boss bitch business owner or just someone who goes hard on your personal and professional growth, buckle the fuck up and get ready to be inspired, challenged, and take action. Let's do this, boo. Y'all, welcome back to the podcast. There are so many synchronicities that I'm going to kind of weave together on this little intro, and I'm just so jazzed for you guys to hear this conversation. So our guest today is Jasmine Cage, and if you've been following me on the podcast journey for a little while, you may have recently heard Jasmine a couple months ago on the Bodyful podcast, which has since evolved and transitioned to become part of this. So when Jasmine and I first spoke for that interview, we knew with it being aside from a few emails, the first time that we were connecting again since like a training we did together four or five years ago. And we just had so much to talk about. We knew we were going to need to continue the conversation for a part two, but it took us a while to get around to scheduling it. But we did sometime in, I don't know, November or something. And then I, I I was like, well, this interview maybe is going to sit here for a minute because actually it was whenever I had just decided. I was like, hey, I still want to do a part two, but, you know, change of plans. It's going to be for Bad Bitch Therapist podcast. Is that cool with you? And she was like, yes, absolutely. And there's some more synchronicities of that in terms of we really kind of get into talking about the language and like the word bitch and how that fits in and where it's appropriate and not. So I'm really glad that this is going to be the first interview of this podcast. And the other synchronicity is that I just got to see Jasmine the other day because several weeks after recording that via Zoom, because she's a couple hours down the road in Memphis, we were passing through, my husband and I passing through Memphis on our way back visiting my family in Texas over the holidays and we got to have lunch with her. So it was so good seeing her in person. And as you'll hear about in our conversation, like I got to see healthy Jasmine, (laughs) um, which was a little bit different from the Jasmine who I met several years ago, who I still loved. She was still rad and I could tell that we were gonna be friends and then we just lost touch. So such a gift to be reconnected with her. And man, this is a woman with many talents, many gifts and I am really excited for you to hear our conversation. I will share her bio in a minute, but do our new little segment that I'm doing for these episodes of what I'm watching, reading, and loving recently. So I recently watched Avatar in IMAX 3D, the new Avatar, and man, I highly recommend it. It's phenomenal. It's stunningly beautiful, of course. It is heartbreaking to the point where like, All you other fellow sensitive souls, which P.S. I will talk about this previously in episode one, but you can be a bad bitch and a sensitive soul at the same time. It does happen that, and in fact, I would advise it, (laughs) that the sensitivity for me in movies that are really emotional, I'm just like, oh my God, this is too much. I have to close my eyes. It was a lot, you guys. So if you're sensitive, like maybe either don't see it in IMAX or just bring a friend, hold their hand, know that you can close your eyes. Oh, y'all, it was a lot, but highly, highly recommend it. Reading, and I wish I had, for those of you watching on video, I wish I had the book here, but it's at home. I could hold it up, but the link will be in the show notes. Veganism and Eating Disorder Recovery by my friend Jen Friedman. 
oh my gosh, this book has needed to be written for years and Jen just did it and published it through Rutledge Publishing. I'm so freaking proud of her and a couple little anecdotes with me are in the book, which is how cool, how fun. But wow, I'm still in the early phases of working my way through it because as you guys will get to know about me, I'm usually reading like 17 books at the same time, working on it, hashtag. But it's, it's phenomenal and it's very accessible, not too long or dense, and a book that our field deeply needs and anyone who is interested in either of those topics and should know about both. So what else I'm loving, if you are watching on video, you'll see this on my wrist here. If you're not, it's just a little kind of bracelet looking thing about as wide as a watch band, fabric band called a whoop. And my little whoop was my gift from my in-laws, some of my in-laws for Christmas. And it is a like very fancy fitness tracker thing, not just for fitness, but like your overall recovery and strain and how hard do you wanna push yourself in this? and. I don't push myself hard for like aesthetic reasons in my workouts. It's really because I'm just kind of a fitness nerd and I always have loved that kind of stuff. And I'm also cardiovascularly, I've always been on the weaker side. So I, it's, it is a goal to, for me to continue really working up my fitness and getting stronger and sleeping well. Like the other night, the first night I wore this, it was like, mm, you did not do good. I'm like, I know, I <laughs> these stupid cats woke me up. So anyway, loving the whoop so far. I'm learning more about it still. All right, let's get into the interview with Jasmine. I'll tell you about her. Jasmine Cage is a Memphis, Tennessee-based fine artist and registered yoga teacher. She is a certified peer recovery specialist, a heart-centered hypnotherapist, and certified Y12SR, which means yoga of 12-step recovery practitioner. She currently teaches yoga, breathwork, and meditative practices at Lakeside Behavioral Health Systems, an inpatient psych facility in West Tennessee. And she recently launched Sobriatry, a project incorporating yoga art and the spoken word. And if you wanna hear more about Sobriatry, I think we talked more about that in the first conversation, but both conversations are great. The other one from Bodyful is still on this feed. You can go back and listen, but you don't need to listen to them in order. So enjoy this conversation with Jasmine Cage. Here we go. Let's, let's just dive right into it. When you call a woman a hoe, that's kind of street slang for whore. And what a whore is, is somebody who has to trade sexual favors, has to or wants to, right? Most, mm -hmm. most often has to, let's be honest. Sure. Has to trade her body for money, for sustenance in order to survive. I said, can you imagine a life where you had to do something with somebody that maybe you were disgusted by or in a situation where it was scary for you and giving up that most sacred part of yourself just in order to live. I told him I would rather die than yeah. be forced to give that of myself. I like to give that to those with whom I feel a connection, right? That's just me. That's how I am. But a lot of girls, women, and boys don't have a choice. So when you call a woman a hoe, when you refer to a woman as a hoe, what you're doing is you're almost kind of poking fun at a reality which would be intolerable for me and probably for you. And you're just saying it so flippantly in order to what? To come off tough. I mean, this kid could, he couldn't even look me in the eye. Yeah. I could see him trembling. Wow. And I wanted to back off because I love this kid and I don't want to see him this uncomfortable. I could, I could tell it was the first time in his life he's ever confronted these realities. But at the same time, if you're going to open your mouth and talk, 
and you're going to say these things in mixed company. You never know who's listening and you never know somebody's life. You don't know who you're going to say this to or in front of and how it's going to hit them or what their personal history, their family history is. Our words are heavy and, and they're meaningful. And these habits that we build early in our lives at 13 years old, if, you, if you're getting into the habit of calling women bitches and hoes, at least understand the etymology, at least understand what it is you're doing. I said, when you call a woman a bitch, you're referring to her as a dog, a, a creature that eats from a bowl that sits on the floor and has a leash around their neck and no free will. Now, is that what you see of your mother? Is that what you see of me? Is that what you see of my daughter? As, as opposed to no iPad for a week because you right. said these. Right. Or, you know, just, hey, that's disrespectful. Stop it. Or yeah. that's not how we talk as, you know, followers of Christ or whatever. Right. Like right. it's actually breaking it down. I want you to understand why this matters. Why it matters. What Right. What the in the weight of these things. And I'm sure that some and include and this is it's touchy territory because including his mother probably would not have enjoyed. And if this gets around her, probably she's not in this kind of space. Uh -huh. I she yeah. listens to your podcast, but if this, if this gets around her, this conversation I have with her son, I don't know how she would feel about sure. me telling him what sex work entails and being so graphic. And I don't do it to shock and I don't do it to traumatize, but I wholeheartedly believe that with our children, first off, they're way smarter than than most of us give them credit for it. They're way more perceptive. They're going to intuit a lot of these things anyway, and not not know what to do because they don't have the info. So I'd rather them have the info. They intuit the energies that they do, and then build their own picture of the world. I'm not going to inform. I'm not going to shape perception of the world, as it were. But I can help to give them the information with which to shape their own perception. If that information is not given, then they're learning it from Pornhub. They're learning it from their friends. Mm -hmm. They're learning it from Hollywood. And then what kind of a picture do they have? Right. So right, very distorted. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I, I think that it's, it's actually a, it's a responsible approach to give them as much information. I mean, I'm not going to get super graphic and salacious with it. They want to talk about, they've asked me about Jeffrey Dahmer because of the, the Netflix or not even docuseries, the, the series. And mm -hmm. yeah, I'm not going to sit and go into an hour long. Jeffrey Dahmer was, you're about my age. So that was a big part mm -hmm. of yep. our teenage years. Like he was all over the news and mm -hmm. he was the boogeyman. Um, but I've given enough time in real estate to that man. I don't need to. Right. Like there's a difference between, describing the reality versus trauma porn. Right. And that's <laughs> sadly like what, you know, and part of that is human nature. Like people are just so drawn to like, Oh, what, what did he do and how? And like, I mean, that's the whole, like we talked, I think a little bit about the whole true crime thing last time. It's like, you know, <laughs> do you, if that's entertaining for you, like, I'm not here to yuck anyone's yum. Right. But it's like, you know, be aware of how that may be affecting your own internal state too. I teach them that too. I say, listen, be careful what you watch because you can't unsee things. I remember when I was growing up, faces of death videos were a big thing, right? Someone would come over with the VHS and be like, oh, I got the faces of death volume three. And it's all these horrific things. I wish that I could forget um, things that were captured on film or on a news feed or things that just that happened. And it's human nature to just kind of want to look like between, you know, mm -hmm. it's like a 
slowing down for a traffic accident and just thinking like, I'm not going to look, I'm not going to look, but, but yeah, I tell them careful what you let into your mind because you cannot scrub it away no matter how hard you try. So I don't think I mentioned this last time, but research that was done around, I mean, this was just one sort of case study of it, but I, you know, the concept applies more broadly that the people who watched at least like, I forget how many hours, let's say like six hours or more of footage of the Boston bombing right after it had happened, had more PTSD symptoms than most of the people who were there. Oh, wow. I'll Isn't bet. That wild? That, ooh, yeah. They get, the, they get the juiciest, the the media gets right. the little segments. And, then and just over and over again, right? Wow. Yeah, pretty crazy. Awful. So where we were just, talking about, I feel like is there's so many important branches of that. One of them being the idea of like, okay, reclamation of some of these ideas of bitch and hoe and pussy and whatever, um, and slut and the flip side of that reclamation (laughs) of sex work and the Mm -hmm. flip side of that. Right. Because, you know, of course it needs to be said. And you, you mentioned like some people want to do sex work and, Mm -hmm. And historically, if the only recognition of sex workers was kind of like, oh, well, that's embarrassing, like very shameful sex for them, then yeah, it it has to be acknowledged that some people very much do choose that, feel empowered in that, whatever. However, you know, that's only a a small part of the conversation. I mean, I don't know if there are stats out there or how those would even be. um, Right. How you would get that information because so much of of sex work is underground sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. But but yeah, there that is still probably the prevailing is out of necessity, like you're saying. And so it doesn't negate they don't negate each other. But we can't only come at sex work from this like, go girl, get it kind of mentality, (laughs) right? Just like we can't be like, yeah, bitch and hoe and all these things can be used in any context with no repercussions. Mm -hmm. Isn't that tricky? I mean, oh, this is something I have over the past few years, especially really tried to dissect into its, its smallest pieces to determine what um, what is what I'm comfortable with mm. in my life? Like you said, okay, po- like not polar opposites. It's there's no polarity here. But to say she's such a slut, whether you're referring to somebody who is promiscuous because they enjoy sex, or promiscuous because they have some issues, and who's to say which is which, right? And then to say to say like, oh, I'm such a I'm such a slut. I I love sex right. yeah and it's funny last time i was in la i noticed all over the place there are all there's this restaurant called egg slut and uh, all these places <laughs> that have like these really funny <laughs> offensive slutty vegan in slutty vegan in yeah. Atlanta, right so it's taken on this whole this there's this kind of like punchy empowered mm-hmm. kind of intention behind a lot of these words where, where i was growing up in the 80s 90s whatever that's the last thing you'd want to be called is a yes. slut so nowadays it's like, it's, it's like bitch, right? Being a bad bitch. Mm-hmm. I'm, I am a bad bitch. I, I am a self-professed bad yep. bitch hundred percent through and through, but that's very different than somebody turning around and calling me a bitch or a man turning around, hatefully calling me a bitch or a, or a woman or a friend lovingly saying, you're just such a b- bitch. It's, it's the context 
that changes oh, yeah. everything. It's much like the N word, you know, the N word is something that I think masterfully black culture took and owned. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you're not going to lord this word over me, this dehumanizing word derived from Negros being black object. We're going to, I'm going to say that's my nigga. And mm-hmm. then you no longer, you, you can know, of course you can use that word. It's still hateful, still offensive, but it's all in the context and the ownership. If we yeah. choose to own this word, I think that if I'm being honest, I think it's, there's still some sadness underlying, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that we've been called bitches for so long and it's so hurtful that eventually we have no choice but to, it's either crumble beneath the weight of that word or take that word and make it something that applies, that that makes us feel powerful. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm going to choose the latter, right? That's what right. we're going to do. But it's it's been presented in a way that, but you know, to be honest with you, uh, there's no way to be powerful. There's no way as a woman to be powerful, not even powerful, to just be true to yourself, to just speak your mind. And that's not even, I guess it's power, but it's just reality. It's just living, yeah. right? There's no, there's no way to do it without coming off as a bitch. Even just the tone of my voice, the fact <laughs> that my voice is higher, has less bass, mm-hmm. is going to make me shrill. The fact that women have the center in our brain for vocabulary is larger by all accounts you know anthropologists will say that we invented language Mm. on the plains of the serengeti to in order to keep our children safe from danger thousands and thousands of years ago so women have words we we use traditionally more words and so we have a higher voice we use more words so if we are actualized it's it's just a gimme to say oh she's a bitch she never shuts up she has so much to say and she says it quickly and she says it in in a Mm-hmm. Uh, treble. So annoying. Right. So annoying. So what? Am I going to shrink shrink beneath the threat of being called a bitch? No. I'm going to refer to myself as a bitch and I'm going to move onward and upward. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so many reasons why uh, you, you mentioned in your email to me earlier, you're like, I no longer believe in coincidences. <laughs> and I remembered just a little bit ago that my first memory of you was when we were at this the training in Washington in what was that 2017, 2018, something like that. And I walked into the little dorm room thing that we were sharing and you were reading the book Pussy. And yeah. you're like, this is a great book. It was like Pussy, a reclamation or something like that, yeah. right? All about like claiming our our erotic desire as women and like reclaiming the word and and all of that. So like how funny that we're sitting here now talking about this. Oh, I love it. I mean, the word, the word cunt. The word cunt is so interesting to me because mm-hmm. if you're in England or Australia, right? <laughs> right? Run around. That's my, that's, you know, you bleeding cunt, but you bleeding cunt. That's crazy. So that <laughs> means like my buddy, right? My mate. Yeah. And here it's like, you know, Voldemort. It's like the word would <laughs> be spoken, right? It is uh-huh. like that if you go there, there's not much, there's not much further you can go. Yeah. The, the etymology of that word, it comes queen. The word queen comes mm. from the same base word as the word cunt. Cuneiform, right? <laughs> Cuneiform, which is a which is a beautiful art form, comes from cunt. Like it all, it, and I don't know where the branches in the tree, yeah, yeah, kind of diverge. Mm-hmm. That book is so, so incredible. She talks about all of these things that we just say all the time. Like, oh, I didn't study for the test, and it's tomorrow. I am so fucked. Mm. What you're referring to is 
you, you know, it's at its base, it's all derogatory and it's all pointed at women. The word mm-hmm. vagina itself is stems from the word sheath. So in that, what the, the, the cock is the sword. Right. And the vagina is just the sheet with the cock holder. Mm-hmm. It's just, the, you know, <laughs> it's a place to holster your cock. Right. <laughs> Aside from yeah. that, it doesn't really serve much. That's why I love, I like the word pussy a lot more. I don't really, I don't really like vagina. Plus vagina is just one part of the. Right. The, exactly. And it's so clinical. Yeah. yeah. But I, yeah, it's just, it made me think of like really what I'm saying when I'm saying what, when I'm saying what I'm saying, like how have we been taught to refer to each other, to our bodies? And when did slut become a terrible insult? A woman who enjoys sex, like a man that enjoys sex. And this is the age old, and we've heard it a million times. A man that enjoys sex is a player, a woman that enjoys sex is a slut. And that's negative. Mm-hmm. Right. Where did the distinction, where did that come in? Yeah. Yeah. And one of the places where that's been sort of reclaimed is a very popular book about consensual non-monogamy called Ethical Slut, right? Like, what <laughs> if I what if I want to do this? And also, like, I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. Like, I want to follow my own my ethics and values and like treat people well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, somebody was breaking down the other day the term fuckboy, right? The term I love and I love the term fuckboy. It's such um, a useful term. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. And it's almost it's such a it's such a flowery and visual term. You almost yes. close your eyes and see who we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. boy. But someone was saying, like, no, really, a fuckboy isn't necessarily like a player. It's just somebody who is underhanded and mm-hmm. shady about their dealings, somebody who doesn't really take others' feelings into account. Somebody mm-hmm. who will ghost somebody who will do all these really kind of lame yellow belly tactics instead of just owning like, Hey, listen, this is what it is. We can do this and it can be great. And I can have respect, but there's there's sport in the disrespect. That's what I don't like. It's like, it's, it's like the sexual conquest isn't really the pleasure for a lot of people. It's the, the playing somebody for a fool, leaving somebody feeling used and walking away like that's your trophy or just being so self-focused that you just aren't even really seeing other people as full three-dimensional humans you know because right. it's oh god i hate the whole main character thing like ugh, mm-hmm. gross because mm-hmm. everyone's their own fucking main character and yet even though that's true because i'm always going to see life through this pair of eyes and i have to remember that but nonetheless i have to equally remember that every single other person is also as much of a main character as I am in their life. We talked about the word Sonder, right? In our, in the last, I don't know if we did, but I love that word, but yeah, like in case we didn't just go ahead and and define Sonder. (laughs) So Sonder to me, I was talking to my kids about this the other day and it was one of those, like you see the eyes big Sonder (laughs) is the con. I don't even know what to call it. The concept of every one of the now 8 billion plus people on planet earth is the protagonist in their own story, that to every single person, their hurts, their desires, their joys, everything is as real to them as mine is to me. And that when I'm walking down the sidewalk and I pass somebody and they pass me, they are going on to, they are currently starring in the, they're not an extra in my story. I'm an extra in their story or both really. Yeah, right. It's still unfathomable to me. I heard the word, it gives me chill. I have goosebumps now thinking about it, but 
the the idea and of all the people that have lived there are 8 billion currently but how many people have lived and will live and to each of us it's you don't see the things that i hold of the utmost importance like there's no way you could possibly feel that and i could not feel that of you but that and this is not to do with sonder but i i take it to mean that i need to really keep that in mind as much as is humanly possible every single day as i move about my life because it's really easy. In fact, it's not easy to forget. It's impossible to continue to remember, right? Yes. We can hold that in our minds all the time or we just be one of these blissed out like Exactly. Right. Yeah. The the full depth of everybody else's own individuality. I mean, yeah, there's also you could argue like the the ultimate reality of oneness, right? Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, that yeah, all of the memories, the hopes, the dreams, the fa- you know, the fears, all of that that I live with in my world is just as rich for every other person and and yeah, we we absolutely forget that all the time. There's mm-hmm. do you know Dermot Kennedy the musician? No. He's excellent. I, I'm not normally into that style. It's like singer songwritery, but he's like he's worked for it. He's he was busking in the streets of like Dublin, I think, from very young teenager. And now I think he's early 30s and has released a few albums, just came out with a new one called Sonder. And it's neat because in all of his marketing for it, like and, and I'm going to see him when he comes here on tour this next summer. But he's you know, he's sharing about that concept. And I appreciate that kind of popularizing that idea more in a generation that arguably needs it <laughs> even more than any previous yeah, they need to hear about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. So back to back to bitch. Um, okay. I would love for you to talk about your cancel bitch project. Okay. Okay. So, so hip hop, hip hop and hip hop culture to me, I was born in 79. So early eighties, like, you know, bloodhound gang and not bloodhound gang. What am I talking about? Mm-hmm. Man, what's up? I don't know when Wu-Tang came on the scene, but that was... Wu-Tang, yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about, well, you know, like early, early 80s, Run DMC and yeah. all that. Break, I remember the kids break dancing in the hallway on the little pieces yeah. of linoleum, little pieces of cardboard. And it was just everything to me coming up, you know, the sneakers, like everything about hip hop culture to me was just, it was life. And coming up into the late 80s, early 90s, like the conscious MCs, the like KRS-One, and third base and all these all these guys uh, mostly guys they taught me about politics and history and the world and life and love it's like i see hip-hop as a divine art form and is has evolved and it's branched out in a million different ways like the conscious hip-hop the mainstream hip-hop the there's so many different styles and i love it all so much i've gone to so many shows and it's just it's a huge huge part of my life the art the aesthetic of hip-hop right i identify with it more than really any other art form Mm -hmm. that i can imagine in my lifetime right and there's this one sticking point this it's really the elephant in the room which is the misogynistic tone of even like the super like kendrick lamar kendrick lamar is a brilliant brilliant mc his albums have done more, I think, for hip hop in the past few years than anyone else. And he has this mass appeal and he's incredible. And he still uses that word. He still talks about bitches all the time. And there are very few who don't. 
Aesop Rock is the is one that really comes to mind. He he has the most diverse vocabulary in all of hip hop. There's a chart you can. Cool. I mean, he's he's off the charts. He is such an incredible incredible lyricist, and he doesn't talk about bitches, but like almost everyone else does. And what makes me sad about it when this whole this whole thing came to be is because I do have young children, and I have a daughter, right? And I want to share with them this thing that has been such a gigantic part of my life, and we have music on all the time and I will play hip. I will play hip hop and I preface it with, Hey, you're going to hear this word, right? Mm -hmm. We don't repeat these words. And this is, and I try to kind of, but it feels like co-signing on their mm -hmm. bullshit. I say, okay, yeah. you have to understand these guys came up in this period of time. And this is part of the parlance. This is part of the culture. This is the idea. Sugar Hill gang. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Okay. Sorry. Bloodhound gang was a completely <laughs> different yeah. group. So I just had to say cool. that. Um, so I have to, t I have to tell them like, you're going to hear this, but sometimes it, it's so egregious. Like I, I have to shut it off because it just starts, especially as time goes on, it works at me like more and more. Every time I hear it, it's like a thorn in my side. Mm -hmm. Right. So I started thinking about like, we need to cancel, talk about canceling. Like, why aren't we doing away with this word already? Cause mm -hmm. people have been talking about feminists have been talking about it since, I mean, for as long as I can remember. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's kind of just, you get laughed at, you know, you get laughed at for saying that you're sensitive about the word bitch in, in hip hop music. Like you're a prude um, or you're scared of bad words or super moralist right. or something. Right. Exactly. Some moralist. And I, man, I have a dirty mouth. I don't care about most <laughs> profanity. I really, I really don't. I can, I know how to holster it at times, but it's just, I don't know why that persists. Mm -hmm. My theory is. And it's ridiculous that it's easy to rhyme with, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's easy to rhyme. It's a versatile word because mm -hmm. it, you think about, okay, a bitch, like talking about some bitch, this and that, you're saying it's some woman, but a right. bitch ass nigga is also like, like a punk, like a dude that's real jealous or yep. a snitch or which also rhymes with bitch. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. so the word is really and saying like oh life is a bitch love is a bitch you mm -hmm. know that situation that was a bitch of a situation it's it's just so all-encompassing and it's edgy yeah and it's become it's like anything else it's a habit right mm -hmm. it's been 30 40 years now right the the lifespan of of hip-hop pretty much in cultural prominence in the u.s and so this word's been used a billion times and it's just something everybody says and it's it's like a bad habit. It's like smoking, right? I think that all these people have continued to use this word and now it's just become a part. So mm -hmm. I, I started creating all of these kind of paintings and drawings with the phrase cancel bitch across the top. And I made shirts, like I'll wear the cancel yeah. bitch shirt. Some and of those will I, be in the show notes. So look for them. Oh, yeah. there you go. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And, and I feature like actual dogs. And then one of them, I feature a woman on her hands and knees and she's holding a wooden spoon in her mouth like she's been cooking and she just had to kind of hold on to that somehow because it was time to crawl away mm -hmm. on her hands and knees. And it really is, I guess I'm using shock art to get uh, a point across. My whole thought about it was, okay, if I make a cancel bitch shirt and I wear it out in public and somebody approaches me and says, hey, you know, that's, mm, that's, you that's wear that bit, here. <laughs> yeah. That's a little bit. There are children around then I can then <laughs> I can then counter with, well, if this is offensive, like what everyone loves Dr. Dre, 
right? Snoop Dogg. Mm-hmm. Snoop Dogg hangs out with Martha, Martha Stewart these right? days. He has become as mainstream as it gets. Mm-hmm. And he is someone who has openly for decades talked about bitches and hoes and everything else. So like, we're cool with Snoop Dogg, right? And hey, I'm not talking shit on Snoop Dogg. Like, mm-hmm. I also love Snoop Dogg. He's adorable. <laughs> like, But he is a guy who is openly like about as misogynistic as it gets, right? right. So if it's inappropriate for me to wear a cancel bitch shirt in public why is it then not appropriate inappropriate for people with impunity to just bandy this word about it's not even bleeped anymore right Mm -hmm. it used to be that you couldn't say certain words and nowadays nobody really bats an eye Mm -hmm. when we hear this this word i just don't want it to become so commonplace in that in that way right in the bad bitch way i love the term bad bitch. I really, really, because again, it's something that we've reclaimed. We've taken, mm-hmm. I like, shoot, I like reclaimed wood. I like reclaimed. Things, you know what I mean? I <laughs> really, <it> all. <laughs> I enjoy taking something old, yeah. reimagining it and turning it into something beautiful. And that's what, that's what bad bitch is. But as far as the hateful, like, oh, I fucked this bitch and then didn't call her. Like, yeah. Can we not evolve? Can we not move past that already? Like what's even the point? Right, right. And I get that even women, like, I I don't listen to a ton of female hip hop, but like, I'm sure that, you know, the Cardi B's of the world, like, I'm sure they use the term bitch too. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, like, you could make a similar argument for, well, if they're still using it in sort of a derogatory or objectifying context, like it's still not helpful. However, maybe less less problematic coming out of a woman's mouth right yeah you know it's funny if you've seen mean girls right yeah okay love that movie tina fey wrote that movie she's amazing yeah but there's that part where she's talking to all the girls in the auditorium or the the gymnasium she says you have to quit calling each other bitches because every time you do it you co-sign on a man doing it right? right so you're right that has to come from us and that's, you know, that's a whole other conversation about how incredibly competitive we are and derisive with each other as women. And that's mm-hmm. something that has been taught because in nature, like in the ways that we used to live communally and villages and tribes and things, the women did for one another, right? It takes a village to raise a child. That is literal. We used to come together, wrap our arms around each other and do for one another. And now with this, you know, you got to be self-made, you got to do this and that, but it's this, this idea of scarcity. There are only so many resources. There are only so many men. There's only so much esteem and we got to go out and grab it all for ourselves before some other woman comes who's, who's prettier and younger and Mm -hmm. takes it from us. Right. So hence we're, you know, we're calling each other bitches. Right. And that's a part of like, when I asked you, you know, what gets in your way of sometimes of like being a bad bitch or the kind that you want to be. And it's like that vulnerability and that competitiveness and like willingness to like ask for support from each other that we do need to overcome that. And in a sense, part of what I'm taking from this conversation is like kind of regardless who's saying it, if it's used as a compliment, then by all means use it, right? Like, <laughs> like if you're calling this woman, man, she is a bad bitch. She's a boss bitch. Then <laughs> use it, right? But if it's not, then it is, you know, intentionally or not kind of co-signing on that derogatory term. And so yes, context matters. Who's using it matters. 
but the intentionality matters. And even like the N word, even, even with the, you know, it's like, as a white person, I don't even like to say the one that ends in an A, right? Like that is not my place to reclaim that word. So it does matter in terms of, of that context too. Yeah. There's just a lot there. It's funny because a a lot of people would like to take, take, go on the offensive and say, well, you know, isn't that convenient? You can say it, but others, you hear that with the N word all the <laughs> yeah. time. And, right. and that's just, it's kind of a bratty argumentative right. response, I think, because if you think there are so many words, right? The word dope, right? Oh, that's dope. That's if it's, if it's meant in a positive way, mm-hmm. it means that's amazing. But dope itself is like, you know, the shit you buy in a little mm-hmm. plastic baggie that ruins people's lives. Like, oh, he's yeah. dope. The word fat, right? right. Oh, that was fat. Of course, it's with a pH, but right. you can call a jacket or a song or a movie or whatever it is. You say, oh, that's fat. And you turn around and say like, oh, you look f- fat. <laughs> like that's that's. And then people, uh, some people in larger bodies are reclaiming that and just saying, right. hey, it's a it's not a bad thing to be. Therefore, it's not a bad word. I'm reclaiming it as a neutral descriptive term. But again, not everybody in a larger body feels that way. And so we have to be aware of context and you know, that, that different people have different preferences and feelings and ways that these words affect them. So true. I listened to Nicole Byer. I don't know if you've watched Nailed It or know who Nicole Byer is. No, but I've heard it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, It's awesome. She has a podcast and she talks to, she refers to herself as fat and she Mm -hmm. doesn't like the term overweight because the term overweight suggests that there is some, I get this right weight and that anything over that is somehow wrong, right? So she says, I'm fat. And she says, it makes people feel uncomfortable when I say that, especially people who are slimmer, right? They don't want to, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to repeat it. Yeah. But she says, that's what's, that's what I'm comfortable with. So yeah, context in a word, the word dirty, right? Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Like we live in the dirty South, me yep. more than you, because I'm a couple hours <laughs> West, right? But uh-huh. this is the dirty South and that's used as a, a term of endearment, right? Right. Um, and then you can say like that floor is dirty and that's, ooh, I don't want right. to. So there's a lot of people that want to make the argument of, oh, the you know, either you're with it or you're against it. No, context is very right. important right. in a lot of ways and yeah. in many, many facets of life, not just this one. Exactly. Okay, so I'm trying to rein in my episode length here. So there's one more <laughs> little segment and I, I'm like imagining, who knows, maybe by the time y'all are listening to this, there will be a cool little sound effect that comes in here. That's my goal is to have a little Ooh. sound effect for this segment. So we're going to have you go off about something that you want to talk about. But what would you like to go off about, Jasmine? I am really quite concerned with how far the pendulum has swung on our inability to listen to one another, to take anything with a grain of salt, to to understand, appreciate, not even understand, to appreciate and tolerate other points of view, and really to allow people, like it's our job to give permission to allow people to have an opinion. I have heard so many times, it feels like in the past couple of months, you don't get to have an opinion about that. 
and not directed at me. Cause for me, yeah. I'm a, I'm a biracial woman. Like I get to have opinion of a, a lot of things, <laughs> but a cis white man. Mm. Oh, you don't get to have an opinion about that. And you don't get to think anybody ever gets to have an opinion about anything that they want to have an opinion about. Mm-hmm. Right. And if they want to then share that opinion with others, they can do so. It, it doesn't hurt me physically. The more I know, the better. That's my philosophy. I like information. This last, this presidential election in 2016 was an eye-opening situation where I got to learn what a lot of my friends, colleagues, neighbors really thought about a lot of things, which was painful, but also good. I'm glad that I know how you actually feel. Get it off of your chest. It may be ugly from where I sit. I'm sure it's liberating from where they sit. And here we are in in 2022, almost 23, talking about you can't say this, you can't say that, you can't say this, you won't have a career if you say that, and telling people what they can and cannot believe. I have the every right to say I don't wish to associate with you because the way that you feel about such and such, it, that's a deal breaker and that's offensive. But Speaking for myself, that should be a, a very small category of, of beliefs, right? If you believe that people of color shouldn't have the same rights as people of not of color, whatever, we probably maybe shouldn't associate because I have some melanin in my skin and, and that that's really deeply, deeply offensive. But mm-hmm. if you believe in circumcision and I do not, does that preclude us from having a working relationship or a friendship? Or if you eat meat and I do not, or if you like, you know, Adele and I do not, or like whatever, I mean, I'm being flippant, but we've become, we've come to this point where we are drawing so many lines in the sand that we're completely boxing ourselves in and boxing others out and, and also just the sensitive nature of existing these days where like it it's intolerable to listen to somebody voice their opinion. Right. I don't really know where we go from here. And here's the deal. We're not really protecting anybody. The whole, the idea of being woke and inclusive began with the greatest of intentions, which was to protect those who have been systematically yeah, marginalized, excluded from the same opportunities and helping everyone get a leg up, getting to the same level. And I just really don't think that that has been the outcome. I, I think that we've bred like a very angry and, and, and here we are. We're more, we all feel more isolated than ever, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're so butthurt. <laughs> we were so upset when we look around and we hear all these differing opinions and see, and then people think, okay, well, you're going to ice me out. Then I'm going to take it. And then you go up, you get to the proud boys, right? They're like, mm. well, then I'm just going to strap an automatic rifle to my back and take to the streets. Cause if you didn't like what I said on Facebook, you're really not going to like when you see me out on the sidewalks protesting drag shows mm-hmm. of all things. Have you seen, this is what yeah. is happening. And it's like, it's just, it's, it, the insanity it is escalating. Yeah. yeah. And, and it makes me really sad because if you think about, I know you remember after nine 11, everyone, it felt like for a little while there was 
on the same page because we have witnessed this atrocity in, in our nation and the collective consciousness. Just We all felt so wounded that we took to one another the way that we should as a community. And we, it was an awful time, but we were just, we let all that peripheral BS go for a little bit because we understood what was important. I really wish it didn't take something on the scale of 9-11 to keep us in that mindset, right? The collective consciousness of which you spoke, like we are individual, but we are all so part of one organism. We're, we're on, we're of the earth, not on the earth. Right. Yeah. So how do we, how do we get back to that? Mm. Yeah, that's I mean, the question. That's the question. <laughs> if you know, please let me know, please. Yeah, uh, I'm going to work on I'll get back to you tomorrow on that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's so important. And I, I won't add too much to that because that was a mic drop. But it's, yeah, just <laughs> seeing how even like, you know, Dave Chappelle has been dragged through the streets for voicing, you know, not trying to marginalize anyone. And it's even that it's like, I feel scared to even say like, oh, am I against Dave Chappelle or do I support Dave Chappelle? Right. It's like, we're scared to just like voice simple things because of the potential repercussions of being completely labeled on one, one extreme or the other. And, and what that's not a tenable situation. That's stand up. Right. That's stand up, y'all. If that's not sacred, like stand up is the one play. Like George Carlin was so brilliant in his time. Richard Pryor, these guys would stand up and say these things that were inflammatory but hilarious, and we loved them. And that's like if if that's if you can't stand up on a stage and do a comedy special and let all that shit out and get it off your chest and make it funny and make it great and get away and and get away with that y'all like we're i don't know where we go from there because yeah. that should be the one spot where you can say what you want to say yeah it's and, a hard time to be a comedian i think <laughs> yeah how do you keep it funny i don't know oh. when it seems like less and less is funny every day no kidding well, I could keep talking forever, but we'll talk more offline and would would not be surprised if we had to have you back for another Bad Bitch episode at some point in the future. <laughs> I'm just going to keep um, getting better. I know. It's great. It's great. I love it. But tell people where they can find you online if they want to connect with you or see what you're up to. Okay. Well, I am at jasminecageart.com. There's no E on Jasmine. So jasminecageart.com. I still have at sobriety. I haven't done a lot with that, but I am teaching yoga. Excuse me. I'm teaching trauma-informed yoga. I teach yoga at Lakeside Behavioral Health Center. So if you ever find yourself at Lakeside, you might just be in one of my classes. Where else? You can get me at jasminecageart at gmail.com if you want to speak with me directly. And but you know, it's funny. Wanna, like, not uh, if they want to call you a bitch though. It depends on how you're calling me a bitch, but you wouldn't be wrong. You know what I mean? Either way. And you know, I also, I got canceled bitch. I got like at cancel bitch back cool. when I started doing all this stuff. So who knows? Maybe that when I got that email from yesterday and you were talking about what you're doing, I just thought like, man, this makes me want to really get into the, the bitch business. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Really with that 
Yeah. Um, and just how I, th- I think it's so powerful too. And I'll just end on this and all your links will be in the show notes that I'm imagining when you came up with that idea of cancel bitch, like if you thought of yourself going on a bad bitch podcast, like however many <laughs> months later, you might've been like, Hmm, that feels like, is that like dichotomous, but it's like, at the same time, it's not right. Because of all the things that we've talked about. So, and it's just a perfect representation of how context and nuance is everything. So I love that we are bringing together bad bitch therapist and cancel bitch at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. They're not mutually exclusive, man. They're if anything, it goes to, it goes to solidify this idea of just actualization i love that word actualized you know when you are self-actualized first off anything rolls off your back right i can listen to hip-hop i because i don't take it personally but i want my daughter to be able to listen to hip-hop and and not take it personally i also want my daughter to be able to self-identify as a bad bitch because she is you know she really really is she always (laughs) has been and I want her to move into that space as an adult without any shred of shame or doubt about it, right? Mm-hmm. Just presenting herself as complete, just this is who I am. And we have to model that. So good on you for putting this out there like this and continue to tune in and see what you're doing. Awesome. Thanks for being my guinea pig. Hell yeah, friend, you made it to the end. I so appreciate you tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode, make my day by subscribing and leaving a five-star review to help other people find this podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to grab my free video training on how to get shit done toward your high priority goals without getting distracted or stuck by ADHD or squirrel brain. Just head to badbitchtherapist.co slash three tips. That's .co slash the number three tips. You can follow my antics on TikTok at Bad Bitch Therapist and on Instagram at the same, but with dots between the words. Thanks so much for being here. Now go out there and have a great fucking day. 